Praise God for the word, the written word that was shared with us today. You can keep your Bibles open to Psalms 150. Uh, my focus would be pretty much on verse 6. Uh, on verse 6, Psalms 150, verse 6. Uh, George Floyd, uh, the gentleman who just passed away a week and a half ago, one of the, his last phrases, his actual last words was, they were going to kill me. But we also know that one of the last words in that eight minutes and 36 seconds he was on the ground, he kept yelling to the police officer, I can't breathe. Uh, he kept sharing with him, the police officers, I can't breathe. Uh, and so today we want to talk about today, I uh, can't breathe. Um, Catherine Scott, uh, at the turn of the century, wrote a song called Breathe. Here is a few lines from that song. It says, this is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me. George Floyd 10 days ago, says, I can't breathe. The psalmist David says in verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, uh, George Floyd said he could not breathe. Catherine Scott says that the very air she breathed was the holy presence living in me. Uh, but I'm sure as we look in the next several weeks about resetting the church, one of the concerns that I am convinced of is the church itself can't breathe. Uh, the church is on life support. Uh, hopefully we are at a point that we could acknowledge that the devil has his neck, uh, on, 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 uh, knee on our neck, and he, we are struggling to breathe. Uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the things that uh, I have heard frequently since COVID-19 is that uh, worship is better. Uh, we miss the corporate, we miss the people, but in the essence of worship, some people are saying that we are worshiping better because there is no show. Uh, we're not getting having to get dressed. Uh, we're just authentic before God because we're sitting in our own house worshiping. The church cannot breathe, and the real and we're having a real struggle uh, to worship God. Uh, and so, therefore, I'm I'm convinced that if we're going to reset the church, we must reset it that the church really worships God as we go back into a building. Uh, and, and if we're going to reset, there are some questions that I think we ought to ask ourselves uh, as Christians and as a, co uh, as a institutional church. Uh, are, we, are you desperate to praise God daily, not praise him weekly on Sunday at 1045, but are you desperate to have a time where you're praising God daily? Uh, do you have a hunger, uh, a hunger as well as a thirst 
for God's word every day? Uh, do you have a desire uh, to give back uh, to God the blessings that he has given to you to share it with him and with others? Uh, I give you an example about um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I had to take uh, the car in to get a fix and I was low on gas uh when i went but i said what the big deal uh you know they don't need to be driving my car they need to fix the car and so i took the car in and uh, to get it fixed and i was 20 miles away from getting a oil change as well as um i was low on gas and uh a neighbor of mine fixed the car at the shop he works at but when i got back in the car i noticed that he had changed my oil and, and I had a full tank of gas. So I gave him a call to just ask, uh, what was up with that dude? You know, was this part of my bill? And he said, no, this was me. He says that in our budget, my, my wife's and I budget, we have love gifts. And we just thought you were a cool guy. Uh, yes, he really didn't know me, but he thought I was a cool guy. And he decided to fill my tank up with gas and just give me an oil chain. I just wonder if we get back to the point that we will express our love to people uh, by having a love offering, a love line on our budget, that I just want to be a blessing for God has blessed me. And so the third question that I think we need to ask and reset is, do you have a desire to give back to God and others? And then four, are you desperate enough to have a daily uh, prayer life. Uh, I can't breathe. I believe the church uh, worship was stifled with being able to breathe because we had all this stuff that's connected to worship that has nothing to do with the worshiping and praising of our God. And we only want to get back to breathing that the church uh, uh, flows freely in worship. And that, you know, you could be in church for 30 minutes and it can be a service too long and you could be in church three hours and it's too short. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it's a matter of what's going on when you get there uh, is to let you know that am I really breathing? Is the Lord breathing? Is the air I breathe really the Lord? Well, there's three things that I want to elevate for us today. They're a little biting, a little biting, but I think it's for us to begin as we talk about reset and whenever down the line we open, there are some things we need to begin doing because the church is not breathing. And what, why is it the church pastor doesn't having trouble breathing? You know, what's the problem? Well, the first problem is, and I just be very frank with you, uh, there, we have no relationship with God. I didn't talk about, did you talk about God? Uh, do you say, man, but you have no relationship with God? Uh, we're not, you know, part of the problem is we have people in the church. Uh, I want you to hear me out now. Uh, we have people in the church that are not saved. Uh, I'm not saying they're not church members, but they're not sons and daughters of God. They're not brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. They are not saved. They are church members, but they are not disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And matter of fact, they're church members on the way to hell. Y'all do know that many people will go to hell from the church, from 25th Street, and from any other church across this United States. They will go to hell from the church, and they will be church members, but they did not know Jesus. They're concerned about titles, and they're concerned about rights versus righteousness, and they're selfish, and worship in the church is about them and they don't like the sermon it was about what they wanted knowing that some sermons ain't always about you some sermons is for you to later have to tell somebody else some sermons are about uh you sharing it with your neighbor sharing it with your nephew sharing it with your son sharing it with your mother sharing it with a friend or he puts it in the archives of your subconsciousness and later brings it back up when someone comes you'll say i remember a sermon that i heard uh but there we have people in the church that has no desperation for god uh, uh, they don't want church growth. I'll say they do not want church growth. Uh, and let me explain what I mean when I say that. Uh, they want the church to look and feel like them. Uh, I'm amazed when I read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Uh, 120 people were committed to Jesus to live the life of Jesus, but they were afraid in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, and, and, and the church is birthed, and, and Peter preaches the first worship service. And out of that first worship service, what actually takes place is 3,000 souls uh, is added to the church. Check this out. Uh, uh, 25th Street, how would you like when we go back into the church? You happy to see your brothers and sisters in Christ, your church family. And what would happen that if if the servants was done and just 300 people uh, is added to the church, your church would totally be different. Would you be okay with 300 new people being in our congregation? It'd be totally different than the way you knew it pre-COVID. But would you be okay? And let me even make it further. Would you be okay if the 300 people looked different than you, had a different color, had a different accent? Would you be okay if your church was totally different just from one worship service? The first church was excited that these people had came, but would today's church in the 21st century with its selfishness and self-righteousness and things must go my way and the way I like it, would you be okay if the church just had a breakout and 300 people was added to the church that were white or Hispanic or uh, Indian and they totally had different views and different look, and they may even have voted for Trump. Would you be okay? Or would it be that this ain't my church anymore. I must find a new church. Or oh, I don't like it. Or you be mumbling and grumbling because the church is so different. You don't want church growth, but you do know that a relationship with Jesus is critically important. It's, it's, it's actually the instrument that you know that you are really a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 
through 46 that talks about sheep and goats and Jesus is separating the sheep from the goat. The goats are going to hell and the sheep is going to heaven. And the goats raise a question to Jesus. The goats say, How, we didn't know you was this. We didn't know you were here. And we didn't know you were here. In essence, they were saying, we didn't know you. See, too many of us don't know Jesus. We know of Jesus. And we just assume we're, they are right. You can't breathe because you need Jesus. You can't praise the Lord because you cannot breathe. Well, the second reason why the church have trouble breathing is we are saved. Hold on, listen to this. We are saved, but sin is still present. You know, you are a Christian. You have no doubt you are a Christian. You know you're saved. You know that if you died today, you're going to heaven. You are saved. But, but there are some sins in your life that constantly and consistently pop up. I'm not referring to you being perfect, but I'm referring to you that there are some sins that you are constantly, daily, and regularly, and consistently uh, um, are a part of. And you may say, well, if we're not perfect, yeah, we're going to sin, absolutely. But does the sin lead me to confession? And does the sin lead me to repentance? Does it lead me to cry out? Uh, am I angry about George Floyd? But am I angry as angry about my sin? Are you angry about police brutality? But what about the sins you have every day against a God who died for those sins? Is your anger at your own sin is as violent and as passionate as, the, as, as you are about what happened to George Floyd? See, there's two types of people in the 21st century that makes up the church. Let me give you who they are, those two types of people. Uh, the first one is uh, they are social distance people. They come to church, but they are distant. Uh, social distance didn't just happen. We've been socially distant in the church for a long time. You don't even know some, where some people live. And so you've been socially distant, and you don't know where, know them. You don't know their family. You don't know what's going with, on with nobody in the church. You're not connected to no one in the church. Uh, you wear a mask, and you probably be mad that we got to wear a mask when we go back in the church. But you wear a mask, but you've been wearing masks for years. No one really knows you. No one really knows your story. You put on, you say amen at the right time, and you say praise the Lord, and you clap when you led the clap, but they don't know you. They don't know, but boy, you could, you could fight like you always used to fight. You can cuss like you always used to cuss. That church it's just a two-hour window that you go, put on your show, and go back home, and you are a devil to live with. You're talking about hell, you are hell. You are a hellish person to live with. 
that's the type of person you are. Uh, 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 your prayer life is a roller coaster. You only pray when you're going downhill. You never pray when you're going uphill. Uh, you're not in the Word. You can go days, if not weeks, without looking at the Word. That's the first person, the social distance type person. But then there is the bipolar Christian. And matter of fact, let me share this with you. The bipolar Christian is the majority of church members that make up today's church. I'm talking to you, 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 and your mother, that bipolar Christian. You can't come and get me. I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, so I just want you to know the bipolar Christian, let me show you how it is, the majority of church. They compartmentalize their life. Yes, they go to church. Uh, they may even read the word. Uh, uh, they may have a fairly consistent prayer life. Uh, um, they go to Bible study, but they do not go to Bible study uh, for eternal impact. They go to Bible study for social impact. They just want to have the information, but they don't want to share the information. They want to know what to do, but I plan to make no disciples. I plan to not share the word, and when it's time to share the word, I will call a pastor, I will call a minister, I will call a deacon, because I will not step out and share my life. My life is compartmentalized. I have worship life, and I have a social life, and I have a work life, and, and I have all these lives, and I have my family life, where you don't understand that the Lord is saying that I want all the compartments to come to one, and I am the God over every aspect of your life, over your money, over your social, over your family, because the if the truth is told, the bipolar Christian got some stuff they're never planning to give up. I'm not, I'm going to keep this sin. This is who I am. This is the way I was made. My mama was like that. Well, uh, uh, my daddy was like that. My granddaddy, my grandma, my uncle. I'm like my uncle. Your uncle was crazy. And if it was not for the Lord dying for on the cross for your sin and for your life, aren't you, isn't he willing enough to be given up? You see, the you see the bipolar Christian is like this. I hate Trump, but I love Obama. Okay, but the other person couldn't hate Obama and love Trump. You see, I oh I can't handle that. Well, you're doing the same thing. Either you're gonna love Trump and you're gonna love Obama, and I'm gonna love everyone that's made in the image of God, or you bipolar. You are selecting who you want to uh who you wanna love and who you wanna bless and who you wanna be kind to. Let me share this with you. Um uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, at one of the museums, uh, they have a Bible of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson has a Bible, and they have his Bible. And Thomas Jefferson, if you look at the history of him, he was not, even though many people act like he was this strong, devoted Christian, he was not. He was not as devoted as they came, the founders, founding father was. Thomas Jefferson's Bible, he has cut major portions with a scissor out of his Bible. He got chunks 
of verses taken out of the Bible. He didn't agree with. So he just typed it up. He just cut it out. I like Thomas Jefferson because at least he's admitting that there are parts of the Bible that I don't agree on. Well, here is, brothers and sisters, a bipolar Christian. They are they act like their Bible's not cut up, but they do not live and do not believe in doing everything the Bible said. You know, you don't believe that you're supposed to love your neighbor or love the Republican or love the Trump lover or love of people who love the Second Amendment. Listen, I am to love George Floyd, but I am to love the policeman that put his knee on him because both men are at the foot of the cross with me needing a savior, needing a redeemer, and they are all made in the image of God. We have a bipolar personality, and, and, and too many of them make up the church. Matter of fact, the majority make up the church. They are bipolar, up and down, and they choose which part of the word they want to obey, and, 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 and therefore, I'll choose it if it doesn't come, come in conflict with my family. I'll choose it if it doesn't come in conflict with me being a black man. Listen, listen, I know the thing on social media. I am a black man. I get it. I know where you're coming from, but let it be sure, first and foremost, I gave up being a black man so I can become a kingdom man, a covenant man that, ha that is in a relationship with Jesus the Christ. Well, uh, let me move on to my third point. Uh, what would happen? What would happen if the church could breathe? What would happen if we could really praise the Lord? What would happen if we really was focused on praising God in his sanctuary and praising him for the mighty heaven? What would happen if we recognize and praise him for his power and praise him for his greatness and praise him with instruments and praise him with dancing and praise him with symbols and resounding symbols and every part of our being really was praising the Lord. Let me share what will happen. The Word of God teaches us that there will be a change in the atmosphere. Uh, therefore, we wouldn't even know when we want to leave. We would. Uh, the second thing we would happen that worship would not be self-centered; it'd be God-centered. You know how self-centered, self-centered is. Self-centered worship is when we leave church and say, "I enjoyed that." Enjoyed what? The, the, the worship is about what did you do when you came to the place? Did you? worship God. See, there really worship is an audience of one. There's only one. There is no mega church and small church. There is an audience one and the people of God come into the place to worship one person. And therefore, what kind of worship did you give when you were in the play? Was it self-centered that I needed it to all be about me? I want the choir to sing my kind of song, and I want the preacher to preach me happy, or was it that I came into the building, and I looked to the hills from which cometh my help, and I praise his glorious name. I praise him in his ferment. I praise him with his power. And all the instrument was just aiding me as I worship God. So, it, so therefore, if there was no, what would happen if the church could breathe? It wouldn't be so self-centered about me, but it'll be God-centered. You know, one of the things that would also happen, there'd be no limits placed on God. You know, y'all don't believe that uh, God can bless you 
You don't believe that God could really hook you up. Listen, one of the problems with prosperity preaching is that we claim name it and claim it and all that. But one of the truths about prosperity preaching is that if we are in the will of God, we could ask for anything in his name and God would do the magnificent in your life. But you have boxed God. And so you have boxed them in a box, and guess what? But if the church could breathe, our worship will see people being healed like it was in Acts and like it was in the gospel. But we have boxed God, and when the person comes sick, we don't even believe in the power to really heal them. We believe in the power that we will pray out of tokenness, and then you go to your doctor. You know, we don't even believe it. Say, Lord, I want to see you reign and do the impossible. How, uh, there's no hunger for God. We'll have a hunger for his word and a hunger for him if we really believe, if the church could really breathe. Um, we got a wall up that took place when Adam sinned, a wall went up. But I want you to know there is a way to knock the wall down. There's another member uh, that's part of the church uh, we talked about the first two, one that has no relationship with God. We talked about the one who's bipolar. But the third member is the perfect member. Uh, this per member doesn't sit on the pew. This member died on a cross. This member rose from the grave. This member ascended into heaven. This member is the original founder of the church. For in Matthew 16, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail again. And this member uh, loved by shedding his blood, and his blood covers our failures, and our, his blood covers our sin. Salvation was extended to us because of this member. You do know that the church isn't about you at all. The church is about salvation. Listen, Big Mama, my grandmother used to say, salvation ain't a game. Uh, uh, salvation ain't no ritual. The salvation, she would say, ain't even about extending an invitation at the end of service. Big Mama said salvation is a way of life. Is that you live because he has saved you. He, you live because he has taken care of you. You live because he keeps you. He gives you grace and mercy. And I get to come once a week with my brothers and sisters. We all come together with the family reunion, thanking him for the, for the way of life that he saved us when we couldn't save ourselves. I went to Walgreens and CVS and couldn't find nothing that could cure the sin sick soul. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If we decide we're going to make it about him, then we'll be able, when we reset, to walk back at 525 West 25th Street, even with a mask on, and say, let everything that has breath, let them praise the Lord. Church, if we give it back to him and allow it to be his church, the church will be able to say, I can breathe. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We praise you for being such a great God for us. We don't want to have no relationship with you. We want to know you. 
And then, Lord, do we, do we want to know you, Lord? We don't want to be bipolar in knowing you. Relationships are good today, tomorrow is not. We want to be faithful. We want it to be counted faithful, that the church will be free to breathe and do the impossible in, by the matchless name of Jesus the Christ. We want to be the church. 25th Street does anyway. They can say, let everything that has breath, let us praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, brothers and sisters, as we prepare now for our communion, if you have not had a chance.